Welcome to Word of God Broadcast with Pastor Opie Swells from Multitudes Church in Laurenburg, North Carolina. Our prayer is that your heart will be like moistened soil, ready to receive the seed from God's Holy Word. Now, today's message. Amen. Welcome to church. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Would you stand with us? We do want to welcome you to church today, to the house of the Lord. We're thrilled that you came by, to, all of us to be together and to worship the Lord in spirit and truth. Amen. I'm looking forward to what God has in store today for his people. I hope you are too. Uh, we want to just welcome you. Look, if you're here for the first time, listen, we welcome you and we thank you for being here, and we want to just let you know right now that we thank you for coming. Come on, church. In case there's somebody here, and even our newer folks, we just thank you for uh, choosing to come, and we're getting ready to begin our worship service. If you're joining in right now, we welcome you on live stream, or if you're watching it later, will you do something for us? Will you share this service? Just whatever platform you're on, share it. That's all you got to do, share it for us. So the message can be spread, amen. We're getting ready to go before the Lord and enter into his gates. We're going to go with thanksgiving. And we're going to enter his courts with praise this morning. Understanding and, and under, we've heard it many, many, many times. Understanding and realizing that he is truly worthy of every praise that we can give him this morning. Amen. He's been good to us. He's, he's been there for us. He's opened doors for us. He's made ways for us. When there looked like there was no way, he made a way. He's done the impossible. He's done the miraculous. And he's worthy of the praise. So I want us all to give him a great big praise right now as we open this service. Hallelujah.
give him some praise today. Amen. Hallelujah. He's worthy of a little more than just a little clap for a little bit, but come on, give him a big praise in this place. Amen. Hallelujah. I was thinking about something this morning. Uh, we were at the house getting ready and an old song came to my, came to my heart, but it was a uh, it's not we. It's, it's called Waymaker. It's not the one we we've heard late in the recent times. Although that's a wonderful song, but there's an older song. As a, it said Waymaker calling on you right now. Waymaker, cause I know that you know how. <laughs> we serve a God that knows how. <laughs> Whatever you got going on, He knows how to fix it. Amen. So that's a reason to shout this morning. And I got to thinking about it, and I thought about it about myself, and I said, you know what, I'm going to ask the people of God when, I, when we start service, how many of you really could think of a time in your life would you really and truly could make this statement, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, what would have happened? Where would I be right now? And you, and you begin to think about that. Think about that time when it seemed hopeless and it seemed dark and it seemed like you were just upside down, your world. But, it, and it, but the Lord showed up. You might have just called his name in the middle of the night. You didn't know what to say. But you were able to get the name out of Jesus. And he showed up if it had not been for the Lord on our side. Where would we be? He's good. He's good. He's good. And we, I, we're just going to praise him. But one other thing. How many of you remember when you were lost and undone? You didn't know Christ. You were a sinner. And you needed a Savior. But one day, your eyes opened. And you realized your need for a Savior. And you realized and you understood that I'm a sinner. And the only thing that helped me right now was a Savior. And the reason that we were able to be saved was because if it had not been for the Lord who hung on a cross, 
He didn't just hang there, but he hung there. They pierced his hands, his feet. He hung there and he died for every one of us. And what did that do? That extended grace to us, to a poor lost sinner that was hopeless, that was on their way to hell, but because of his, his sacrifice, he offered the gift, amen, the gift of salvation. Man, we'll, you'll never, never, we can never, ever, ever repay. We can't do anything, right? We know that. It is grace. It is mercy. It is the righteousness of Jesus. When God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of his son if we are born again. And it is his, his righteousness that makes us worthy. Amen. Are you thankful for the grace of God? Now, this song, we're going to sing this song, and you've heard it all your life. You've heard it, you've heard it when you were a little kid, no doubt. Just about everybody in here, because this song has been around a long, long, long time. And we sing it here. We sing it quite often, but not, you know, but it is a true song of the grace of Jesus. Because we were lost. We were blind. We couldn't, we were blind. We were lost. We we didn't have we didn't have any any hope of anything if it hadn't been for Jesus. Amen. And so I want you to sing this song this morning with us. I don't want you to watch us play and sing, okay? I want you to sing this song and think about the grace that's in your life. And if you're in this place, if you haven't accepted that gift, no better day than today. The Lord would deal your, if he deals with your heart, don't put it off anymore. You need to surrender your life to him. His grace is amazing. We're going to sing this song. I want you to sing it to the Lord, and I want you to sing it and really think about what grace has done in your life. Amen. And let's, and let's thank him for a minute for grace, and then we'll get to this song. Father, we love you. We thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you that while we were yet sinners, you commended your love toward us and you died for us. You took our place. You took our punishment. You took our, you took our debt. You took our penalty. Lord, may we forever be grateful and thankful for it. In Jesus' name, amen.
and he's worthy of the praise. Amen, church. Hallelujah. God, we do praise you, and we thank you for your grace. It's so amazing, Lord. We don't understand it, but it's amazing, Lord, it's the best we can do. Aren't you glad that God loved you enough to just let grace not give up on chasing you until you said yes?
getting to the, you know, the Easter season, and I, I like Christmas. I don't like to, I don't like to rush into this just on Christmas or on Easter. So Jesus had been praying in the garden. In fact, if we got any people in here that can make a good cricket noise, let me see what you got. Crickets don't laugh. You might be laughing at the people around you. Well, anyway, seriously, it was a night when we don't know if it was a full moon, if there was a sound of crickets. I don't think you would be able to hear them anyway because Jesus was praying. Jesus asked his disciples to pray. But you know what happened? They fell asleep. And while they were sleeping, Jesus came back and he asked them about it and said, y'all need to pray. He went back and he prayed again. Then he came back and they were sleeping. And all of a sudden, he could hear and he knew in his mind that Judas, because he left the upper room, do you remember that? Or he left the... The, the 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 Lord's Supper, the table where they were being served. And he knew that Judas was coming with a garrison or a big group of soldiers and people to arrest him. And then over in Matthew chapter 26, verse 30 uh, or 47 rather, the Bible says this. We'll cut the lights on now so you can see. But Jesus told his disciples, he said, okay, no more sleeping. They're on their way. And verse 47 says, and while he yet spake this, Judas, lo Judas, one of the twelve, came and with a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him, talking about Judas, gave them a sign saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hell, Master, and he kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend. He called him friend. He was betraying him. He called him friend. Wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and cut his ear off. Then said Jesus unto him, Pick up again thy sword and put it in thy place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot pray now to my father and he'll presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? In that same hour, said Jesus to the multitudes, are you come out as against a thief with swords and staves to take me? I think it's worth noting right here. Jesus fed, what, 
multitudes. I wonder if any of those in that multitude that was there to arrest him and later crucify him, was any of those people at one of the fish fries? If they were not, I just wonder in my heart, well, why wouldn't any of you 20 or 30,000 people there to defend him? But we know that the Bible's been fulfilled. And he said, I sat daily with you teaching in the temple and you didn't lay hold on me. Verse 56 says, but all of this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples fled him. Or all the disciples forsook him and fled. They left. I want to let every one of you be assured of this and anybody that's watching or listening now or later that at this moment in the life of Jesus that he identified with what you and I still fight with on a semi or perhaps regular basis. He knows what it feels like to be left alone. We're talking about Easter here. But before you get to any of those other things that people always preach and talk and sing about and do plays about, Jesus was left alone people that said, I'll never leave you. I'll die with you. Left him. And then, the very next chapter, when you think that being lonely was really lonely and depressing and scary and it was scary very very hard to even deal with Matthew said in the 27th chapter about the ninth hour when some other things took place and Jesus was now on the cross Jesus cried with a loud voice and he said Eli Eli lama sabachthani and that is to say my God my God why, why have you forsaken me? Just when you didn't think loneliness or being alone could feel any more alone, it went farther south than you could ever imagine. Now, granted, you might be in a great place right now. But I'm going to tell you, I've been so sick before on my stomach. I've had kidney stones or kidney stone. I've had all kinds of pains that I don't even want to relive talking about, and so have every one of you, and some worse than others. But I've also suffered that feeling of feeling alone that I cannot even describe it to you. 
But I have got a Savior in glory right now that knows it more than any human being will ever know what it feels like to be alone. You know, I talk about a lot when people lose loved ones to the grave that he is acquainted with our grief. But, oh, I thank God this morning that he is acquainted with being alone and he knows all about it. We have a definition. It's a long definition. It's, it's actually it's the uh, Greek definition that Derek's going to show you. And I want to skip all the way down right here to this fourth one, because this is the one that I, I struggled with in a way where I was almost weeping, and that's for number three. It says to depart. This is what that word forsook means, by the way. To depart from one and leave him to himself so that all mutual claims are abandoned. And when the disciples left Jesus alone, that's what took place right there. Because they claimed to everybody, including their families, that they left to do full-time ministry with, they claimed he's the Messiah. Well, why would you leave and forsake the Messiah? And so, there was more being said by them leaving Jesus alone than, than just leaving him alone, you see. They were saying things and almost, in a sense, condoning all those people that were coming to arrest and crucify him because, in their minds, somebody, Tubashur, probably thought, well, if he was really that, they wouldn't have left such a mighty son of God, would they? You see, we got to watch out about our actions, church. We, got, we do, because a lot of times, I've had this conversation this week. It is not what you say with your mouth. Do you all understand that? I don't care what you say. I don't care how holy it sounds. I don't care how many Bible verses is attached to it. It doesn't matter what you say. It matters what you do. If it didn't, we'd never hear about fruit. We would never hear a scripture like, for instance, faith without works is dead. And that's exactly the kind of abandonment. It, it wasn't that he didn't have just his followers around him anymore. It's what they said to him by abandoning him that made him feel more alone than the absence of their physical bodies being there. There's two that I want to focus on for just a minute today. Feeling alone is what most people identify with in the room or in the world today and that's possibly an evil spirit telling you you're alone or being forsaken, actually physically being forsaken and you feel alone like they left Jesus and he felt alone because they left but he also, as I said, felt alone because of what they were saying. 
they abandoned a claim that they had been preaching for three years. But then there's also the feeling alone of actually uh, not being alone. Let me say it like this. Not actually being left alone, but people around you, but you're being ignored and you feel alone. You know what I mean? You're in a room full of people and you can feel alone. I've heard, I've heard people say that about big churches a lot. I just went to a big church, thousands of people, but I felt alone. And of course, they have, they have things that address that. But in certain cases, it might be that you can't help feeling alone because you've been forced or you've been made to feel that way. I, I, I didn't ask for this. I didn't choose this. I woke up to it one day, and man, it's, it's rocked my world. And I'm really being deliberate today, so you got to bear with me, okay? Then there's another kind of alone. But let me, let, me, let me just elaborate for one more minute, if you don't mind. You see, when you are not struggling with being abandoned or feeling alone, let me say it like that, feeling alone when, when you are not struggling with that, one of the worst things in the world you can tell somebody else, and I know we mean well, but you can't go to somebody and say, oh, don't feel that way. You can't do that, church. I don't know if that happening, but I mean, I'm just being led to say that. You can't tell somebody don't feel that way because unless you, you know this worn out statement, unless you walk in another man's shoes, you can't identify with that. And if you've not uh, walked a day or a week or a month or maybe a lifetime it seems like in feeling alone nobody understands you like but Jesus in a lot of cases it's like you say things but nobody hears you and you feel alone you do the same thing you're in the same rut you're in the same routine every day and then no good deed goes unpunished. You meant and did a lot of good. You did everything you were supposed to do, but all of a sudden you feel alone. The Jesus I'm talking about today, way before the cross, way before the thorns, way before the whips, the stripes on his back, he suffered from being alone, and he knows how every one of you feel when you go through that. And I thank God he's a complete God. There's another kind of alone, though, I want to bring up. And that's the kind of not feeling alone, but staying alone. And to me, this is probably maybe the worst kind because it can lead into so many other things. And just for time's sake, when I say staying alone, I mean intentional isolation. I don't even know how many times I've said it at altar calls, at this service, at this church rather, about I, I see it. I've seen it 30, maybe 35 years now. People will get out of church or people will pull away from the pack. People won't read their Bible. They, they won't be intentional about the music they listen to or the channels that are allowed in their house. And all of a sudden... Uh, and Ed gave a wonderful um, devotion last week 
and uh, about these animals, and you you watch them on these uh, shows all the time, and what they'll do, they'll wait till they'll see a weakling struggle and get at the back and kind of alone, and then that's when the predator will come in. That's the way the devil does, and that's why this this staying alone stuff is one of the most dangerous things that a person can do, but especially a Christian can do. And I want you to hear me, church, because we are, I, I spent a lot of time about Israel, but I want to talk about home right now because the devil knows. He knows this prophecy better than me or any man, Jimmy Evans, or anybody else breathing. He knows the time is not. He's waiting on his man, the Antichrist, to step on the scene and be his mouthpiece and follow out the next seven years according to his plan. But I want to tell you this. You have to be vigilant in these closing moments. He doesn't take uh, you coming to church very lightly. In fact, he spends a lot of time scheming in to come up with an acceptable excuse for you not to pray, you not to do the app, you not to uh, read your Bible, not to come to church or not to come to prayer, not to come to Wednesday night. And I can go on through all the activities and the list of functions. He spends a lot of time to come up with something that you will accept and say, this is why. And this is a good one because he knows that if he can get you into intentional isolation or staying alone, he's got it whipped because he's got a batch of depression or being a victim or being um, anything but walking in the newness of Jesus Christ. He has that waiting on you, and he is a professional at doing that, church. He has worked it on me more times than I can tell you. You build up yourself on your most holy faith. That's why we can't forsake the assembling of ourselves together because you get into intentional isolation when you do that. And that's when all kinds of doctrines come in. That's when all kinds of devils and demons and all this come in to try to influence you and water down what you know to be true. But over time, isolation will speak louder than what you know to be true. And I know I'm telling the truth right now. So I'm a watchman, I'm a preacher, but I'm a shepherd too, church. And I hate it when a sheep gets gnawed on and gets devoured and, and all that. And I hate it when I see it coming. And I want to tell you, that the hardest thing that you will do is not feeling alone, but overcoming staying alone. Because, see, you feel safe, especially if you get, you, I, I can take this out of the church context for a minute, but I, I'll, I'll say work, or I'll say your family, uh, or maybe if you got a close-knit group you hang with or whatever, if you get burnt or if you get hurt, one of the first things you do is what? You know what you do. We all do. We withdraw. That isolation, intentional isolation. Because it's a false sense of protection. But I love how, thank you, Holy Ghost, how God set stuff up. But you know what you are called when you sign up for that app, Bless Every Home? You're called a light. 
and you are not called, you're not saved, you're not redeemed by the blood of Jesus to, to isolate or to be set up to feel alone or to be by yourself, you are saved to be a light, not withdraw from church or withdraw from the world or withdraw at work and just, well, I'm just going to mind my own business. No, you are called to be salt and light in a world that's dark. And you will not do that, and I won't do that. Nobody will do that if the hurt becomes louder in your ear than the Word of God. I got to read this to you. It's out of Hebrews. I, I quoted Hebrews 10.25, but I want to quote Hebrews 13 and 5 to you. And before I quote it, God help me to keep all this together. I want to finish now. I've, I've done good till now. I ain't cried, y'all. Y'all notice that. But you got to be intentional. I was talking to Stacy and Haley this morning when they come. Man, I'm so glad to see y'all and all that. We've been trying, trying, trying for weeks. Somebody woke up sick every week. This week we woke up. With a flat tire, but we said we're coming anyway. You've got to show him that you don't fall prey and you're not playing when it comes to your God. you got to do it, church. You've got to do that. He will fix it for you. You'll spill something. It'll be a flat tire. The water heater will leak. Go cut the water off. You, you just show him. He won't do it. If you're going to a country music concert that you have no business going to, I don't know if anybody's going to one, by the way, or if you're going to do something foolish or nonsense or not eternal, he will every single time. Keep, he keeps, if demons start to trick you up, slow you down from going to, oh, you leave them alone now. Let, let's let them go through with this. But you wake up and make your mind up to go to church. You set your alarm to go get up and read your Bible. I'm getting in on this Bible reading stuff. I'm going to start praying for five, my five neighbors. Man, I, I, that's one. I, I'm a hush, but I enjoy it. I, I've called out people's name. Boo and Donna, I hit y'all one day this week because your name popped up. And then Johnny Quick, he got in on it. And Pat and Alan Gates, I'm calling all kind of people's name. But I've been doing some prayer. Dan Roy's wife, Shirley, been praying for her. I mean, I, I can just tell you now. And I'll tell you this. I didn't do that a week ago. Now I pray for y'all every time I go by your house. So, but everybody else, I didn't know. I didn't think to pray for these people. And you have to bring your flesh into subjection, church. There's no work around this. I'm saying this two weeks in a row. I know there. There's no shortcuts to this. There's no quick fix to this. You got to be a hard-headed joker. You hear me? Don't look that up. It's not there. But you got to mean business, is what I'm saying. And you've got to understand that you are not alone. You can't be alone if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. He, he went through that so he could help you with that. And there's no better way to help you with that than by telling you, I won't leave you alone. Now I'm going to read Hebrews to you because you need to hear it. Let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things as you have. For he has said, you want to say it with me to make you feel good. I will never leave thee 
nor forsake thee. So the devil can whisper in your ear all he wants to, but God's already beat him with the holy word and said, I won't leave you alone. The disciples left my son, and I know what it feels like to be by myself, but I will never allow you to live one day as a believer and know what it feels like not to have somebody around you, and there's no better body than Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And he can't. And he won't, and you can't make him leave you alone. And he can't because he is, as Ezekiel said in chapter 48, he is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. So it don't matter where you go, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. But it's in the doctor's office, Opie, the Lord is there. But I'm in divorce lawyer's office, the Lord is there. I'm at the unemployment office, Jehovah Shammah, you're not alone, the Lord is there. I'm trying to get a bank loan just to pay my light bill, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is even there. He's there. In his book, The God You May Not Know, David Jeremiah says it like this. He says, when you pray, you can address your heavenly father as Jehovah Shammah. Try it the next time you bow your head. He is there, near you, with you, ever present. Remember what we said earlier about God's omnipresence? When you pray, your words don't have to travel millions of miles into space to reach God. He's right there in the same room with you, as close as your own spirit, closer than a brother. He is your Jehovah Shammah. And that's why even when Elijah said on Mount Carmel, everybody's gone, no other prophet here but me. I've been left alone. He said that, and he, mean, he meant that in the prophet form. But he wasn't alone. He said he was, but he wasn't really alone. How can you tell me that for sure? Because Jehovah Shammah makes that impossible for him to be alone. And I can just go ahead and give you proof he wasn't alone because when he prayed, Jehovah Shammah said, well, here's fire to consume every bit of the sacrifice. And you see, that's what's been missing in a lot of our lives. Us just knowing that the Lord, he's really here. You're not alone. I've done a lot of crying, and I thought I was by myself. But then somewhere in the tears, the word spoke. And said, I won't leave you. I, I, I'm not, Derek, can you put that other definition back up again? I just want to say it one more time. Derek's doing a fantastic job by himself today upstairs. And I thank God for that. <laughs> to depart from one and leave him to himself so that all mutual claims are abandoned. Forsook. That's why I can stand on a stage in front of beautiful people and say, all mutual claims by God will never be abandoned because his promises are yes and amen. Hey! 
been quite lonely in your house, stand up if you will. And I know you've heard a lot of voices, but you ain't been by yourself. Before we end our broadcast today, I just want to ask you a simple question. Do you know Jesus Christ? Not do you go to church, not do you have a cross in your home, but do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, meaning that you realize you were born into a world of sin and you are a sinner and you violated the law of God and you've stored up wrath. And for that, you feel bad and so bad that you've asked him to forgive you and you've changed your way of living to reflect following Christ. If you haven't done that, that's exactly what this entire broadcast is about. It's not about a bunch of people or a bunch of money or attending our church, but it's asking you this question, are you ready to meet the Lord face to face and give an account for your life? If you have not done that or you're not sure, we need to pray right now. And the prayer doesn't have to be a lengthy prayer or an intelligent prayer, but it has to be a prayer of faith from your heart. And you have to pray. You can pray in your own words, but you must realize during the course of your prayer that without the forgiveness of God Almighty, that there is no way you'll have peace with God now or for all eternity. So I want to pray for you. God, I pray for every person listening right now. Lord, that they would understand that it's not your will for any to perish, but for all to have everlasting life. And I'm asking you, oh God, to help my friends right now that may be praying to know that you are waiting. You stand at the door. You said in Revelation 3, you stand at the door and knock. You're waiting on us, Lord. And help them to know, Lord, when they call on you, that they can be saved and they will be saved when they pray from their heart and they make up their mind that they're going to follow you. Friend, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, you are now a child of the Most High God. Not only do you have an advocate, not only do you have a friend right now that sticks closer than a brother, but you've got the hope of heaven one day. And for that, I am so glad. If you prayed that prayer today, why don't you just take just a moment, if you don't mind, and uh, reach out to us at multitudeschurch.com forward slash uh, saved, S-A-V-E-D. Or you can send us the, a text that just says saved to 910-400-1199. That's the word saved to 910-411199. Listen, we'd like to help you out on your journey. And there's no strings attached. We just want you to know we're trying to finish our course and fulfill the Great Commission, and you're part of that. So let us pray for you. And if you have any kind of prayer request, why don't you uh, share that with us? Uh, we will not reach back out to you and ask you for anything, uh, but you're welcome to email us and let us know what your prayer need is right now. And that's just a simple email uh, to prayer at multitudeschurch.com. Thank you again for being a part of our broadcast, and we look forward to seeing you in heaven one day for all eternity. Thank you for being a part of our broadcast today. 
If you would like more information about our church or to watch entire services, please visit us online at multitudeschurch.com. You can also find us on most social media platforms.